to the TEH, the Tech Enthusiast Hour podcast where several hosts talk about what they find interesting in tech this week. The show notes for this episode are at tehpodcast.com slash teh64. This week we have all four regular hosts all sitting together in one room. I'm Randy Cassingham, founder of thisistrue.com, the oldest entertainment feature on the internet, and the meme site randysrandom.com. And I'm Gary Rosenzweig, the host producer at MacMost.com, and I also post off at WPTipsAndHacks.com, and also make mobile games, and you can find those at CleverMedia.com. I'm Leo Notenboom, the Leo behind AskLeo.com, lover of coffee, corgis, computers, and all that kind of stuff. I'm Kevin Savitz, uh, founder of FreePrintable.net and FaxZero.com. Little useful websites to get stuff done online. So it sounds like we're all talking really loud. I wonder if uh, we need to talk this loud. I need to talk really loud. We need to yell. We need to be like. Can you hear me now? Angry what? radio talk right. show. It's the, the speech class I didn't take in high school. The one thing that I remember from not taking it was from the diaphragm. Speak <laughs> yeah. from the this diaphragm. Is, this is the live stage performance. Of the <laughs> right. We are projecting. Right. Projecting. Mm. It reflects our lack of faith in the recording device. No, today, so. we've used this microphone several times. Yeah. All right, let's. It we should, can, be, we can talk like normal fine. people. Breathe and talk like yes. So, so what's been going on, guys? I just did some travel. I uh, headed to Denver. Any other guys? What a coincidence! Uh, any yes. other guys doing any travel this week? I did not travel to Denver. Oh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, obviously we're all in the same room here in Denver. So we are, and. Uh, we're not actually here for the meetup, but we're doing the meetup while we're here. Right. So this evening, anybody that happens to be in Denver will put a URL for the meetup we're doing in Denver downtown this evening at 7 p.m. And that, of course, makes the assumption that this recording will get posted today. Oh, of course it will. Yes, it'll be up before noon. Okay, awesome. The event is called An Evening with Internet Entrepreneurs, Talks and Networking. Hosted by Gary Rosenzweig. That's me. Who's that? Oh. <laughs> I better go there. Yeah. Let me RCP. Yes. Yes. Cool. So, Kevin. Yes. What have you been up to? I haven't been on the show in like a month. I've been traveling and Yeah, where the heck were you? And I uh, went on the, my annual nerd cruise and then I uh, went to Boston with my family and uh, um, uh, just been busy doing Things so yeah. Busy? Uh, You're too busy for us. Yes, 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 indeed. Um, so I don't know. I've, I've kind of a lot to talk about. Um, kind of my exciting thing um, was uh, last week. I got a call from a nonprofit near me in Portland, and they, and they said we have a, a a room full of of old computers. Um, uh, you want some of them? Whatever you don't take. We're going to uh, we're going to recycle. So I went in there and saw just the massive amount of stuff that they had, and ended up with four carloads of computers. Wow. Um, like like what? Uh, there was a lot of like Commodore stuff, uh, Apple II stuff, a bunch of various Macs of various old vintages, um, three complete Next computers. Wow. Um, Where are you putting all this? Well, for I mean, now, for now, it's in the garage. I don't want this stuff. Uh, I've, I kept a couple of things, but um, I basically took it in order to rehome it um, and keep it from getting um, just getting recycled because people want to play with this stuff. Sure. Uh, I ended up with with I think five newtons. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that using those as a party game. Yeah, uh, just writing some phrase and, <laughs> and everybody laughing at what it interpreted it as. So um, I have I gave some of it to to buddies. Um, I've sold some of it. Uh, in, I just like tweeted out on my Twitter pictures of the stuff, and I had people going, "Oh, we want this! You know, I'll buy it from you." And there was like this HP calculator, kind of a calculator computer thing with a with a eighty column screen on it and uh, QWERTY H- keyboard HP eighty seven. Yeah, QWERTY yeah. keyboard. Um, so I've sold some of it and given some of it away and kept a couple of things for myself. Um, I've done, started a couple of eBay auctions to eBay some of the, the easily shippable stuff. Oh, I didn't mention the, I think it was five 
original IMAX, the the com- the, the, color, the com- she comes in colors one. I, I mm. threw lots of those away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm trying to keep them from. Anyway, I actually like a two C. Uh, I just gave one away yesterday. Yeah. yeah, that's a great machine. Yeah. Um, so sorry if you mentioned it. I would have brought it. There well, if you get another one. Yeah, okay. Um, so yeah. So anyway, the stuff I've sold, um, I've. I've made some some money off this, and I'm just going to donate it back to the nonprofit that gave me these things in the first place. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So, um, anyway, so that's been fun. Um, just playing with stuff myself. I ended up with a. Uh, I'm keeping at least for now uh, a Mac SE uh, with a hard drive in it, um, and because uh, I wanted to play Dark Castle and Crystal Quest. Oh, Crystal Quest! I love that game. <clears throat> yeah, um, and I already had a gadget. Um, I had a I already had a gadget that lets you uh, plug into uh, various Apple computers and it emulates a floppy disk drive, um, it, but it's really an SD card. So oh, I could, So I could download Crystal Quest. Not that I advocate uh, piracy, but you could one could conceivably download Abandonware from the internet, put it on Abandonware. A, I like hunt it. down the creator and right. know, see if you could pay. <clears throat> Three dollars. Uh, put uh, put it on a SD card and then plug it into the, the Mac, and it's just like, oh, here's here's a floppy drive, and then you could just copy it over. Here's a floppy drive that's <laughs> sixty four gigabytes in size. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's pretty cool. Um, and then I also f- took a uh, a Mac G four Cube, which was just an, a, one of, one of the most adorable computers ever made, and. Uh, I just like the look of this one. I took one where I like the the, the the stats on it. it. Had a nice hard drive on it and a Radeon card in it. And uh, I installed uh, uh, Mame on it, so I set up a. I can play you know Pingo and Pac-Man on it. The, hmm. And uh, so Mame is the multi arcade machine emulator, and uh, it's it's a nice piece of software that lets you run arcade games on computers. Um, I had to find a very old version of MAME because I'm running on a very old computer. So a, uh, the, the Mac MAME website doesn't actually exist anymore, and so I had to go to uh, Internet Archive, and, and I found what I needed there. So anyway, so I've been having fun with playing with and getting rid of, of, uh, of these old machines. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see what else. I went to, uh, when I was in, in Boston, <coughs> excuse me, we're live and in person, so I can't... Um, mute myself when I cough. Uh, when I was in Boston, uh, I went to uh, MIT. Uh, there was an interesting talk there uh, given by a gentleman named Jaroslav Svelch, and he's the author of a book called Gaming the Iron Curtain, How Teenagers and Amateurs in Communist Czechoslovakia Claimed the Medium of Computer Games. And he gave a talk based on, on his, his book, uh, basically about how... Uh, Kids in Czechoslovakia in the 80s were using the the uh, ZX Spectrum to uh, they they were like sort of these computer clubs that were allowed by the government um, and then the kids kind of took over the the, the purpose of these clubs and instead of what the government thought they would be basically they became places where people would learn about computers but also set up. Uh, anti-government propaganda. Or, no, or, they wouldn't do that. Yeah, right. They write, write software, and and uh, and then it, when you finish the adventure game, it would be like, you know, c- come to this square on this date for uh, a protest and that sort of thing. Uh, super interesting. Like the talk, and so I, I bought the book and uh, haven't started uh, reading it yet, but uh, had a good time doing that. And uh, let's see, also I finished uh, the, uh, another interesting book, a uh, computer history book called uh, Endless Loop, The History of the Basic Programming Language. Mm. Um, self, great little self-published book um, by Mark Jones Lorenzo. I think he published it using CreateSpace. And uh, super well-researched, well-written book about um, the basic programming language. Uh, and basically, the, the basic language uh, uh, came uh, was written by uh, two gentlemen named Kemeny and Kurtz out of Dartmouth College, and they created this this language for for learning programming, and then they made it free. They're like, sure, you know, you distribute this. We're not going to keep any any sort of rights to it. And then, so it was ported to many other 
computers, uh, famously the Altair, but you know, then Microsoft took it. And, and then, so a bunch of many, many different versions of, of basic started coming out and with new features or features added or features removed from the original Dartmouth version. And then Kemeny and Kurtz all of a sudden were just like, wait, wait, this is not the basic that we wrote. And they, they were super unhappy because all these, these street basics, that uh, they call it, were, were out there. Street basics. Um, and so they got what they wanted by making you know, their, their language available to everybody, but then they were really unhappy when their language wasn't quite their language. It was available to everybody. Evolution happens. Yeah, evolution happens. So uh, eventually later they came out with their own version of BASIC, but by then it was... Uh, like a, a, mod, a, a modernized version of BASIC, but then it was way too late. That was the one that they literally <clears throat> called Dartmouth BASIC. Yes, yeah. <clears throat> that was like their trademark or something mm-hmm. like that. But by then, like you say, it was too late. Right, yeah. There was already a so. hundred pigeon basics out there. And yeah. Anyway, so it was a super interesting little book, and uh, I highly recommend it. There'll be a link to that in, in the show notes. Cool. Yeah. So I, I just looked it up. I, I started <clears throat> using BASIC in 1971. Wow. On what machine? Uh, Hewlett Packard 2000C, okay, which was a mini that we used a Model 33 teletype to get into, and it was limited to one statement per line, so not no stacking up like you can do these days. Right. So basic is one of the reasons I got my job at Microsoft. Really? So I was working for a small company doing data entry terminals, and they had basic on this data entry terminal. On the terminal. On the terminal, right? It was a... a Smart yeah. terminal, apparently. Basically, yeah. Basically, yeah. And, but what it was, it was, it was Microsoft Basic. And what had happened is my predecessor at that company had reverse-engineered Microsoft Basic <coughs> and then ported it to this device. Hmm. And again, before I got there, the resulting legal issues <laughs> had been taken care of. But I was then given the, the job of maintaining this, of fixing you know, the, the BASIC that, uh, that they had ported. That was Microsoft BASIC. So when I went to interview at Microsoft, oh yeah, I've already fixed your code. <laughs> right? I've already played with Microsoft BASIC. Um, and that was, you know, it was probably just a small part of getting the job there. It was kind of funny. The ultimate irony is that the guy, my predecessor at this small company, he went to work for Microsoft, and I ran into him there. He was not a happy fellow, mm. but uh, but I get to thank him at least in part for my job there. And I, I think you were late enough that you were not interviewed by Bill Gates. Correct. I did not. Uh, yeah, yeah I not, was not interviewed by him. I did get the job offer from Steve Ballmer. Mm. He was the guy that low-balled my salary when he <laughs> in typical marketing fashion, right? Well, so. and how long between the start of Microsoft did Ballmer come on? Oh, he was there pretty quick. Let's see, uh, I think they say 75 is the official start date for Microsoft Incorporation, and he was there within a couple years. Okay. So, and I showed up in 83. So, but yeah, fun times. It was, what was really interesting about BASIC was the, uh, the source code we were dealing with at the time was full. It was assembly language. It was all assembly language, of course. But it was full of conditional statements because every machine was different at that time. They right. didn't have this PC standard. Right. So it's like, if it's a DEC machine, do this. If it's an NCR machine, mm. do this. If it's, a, if it's this IBM thing that we're working on, do this. Uh, it wasn't really until a couple of years later that, that the necessity for that kind of stuff started to go away. Thank but what, goodness. <laughs> what it meant was, though, that the source code was a mess, an absolute mess, because it had all these conditional statements all over the place. Mm-hmm. You really had no easy way of looking at the code and saying, okay, this is what we're actually running. Mm-hmm. That, that a lot, lot of old computers I, I got included a couple of IBM 5150s, mm-hmm. and, uh, which... With the beautiful CGA original CGA dis- display and everything, and uh, twenty-five by forty, if I'm not mistaken, uh, I, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And whenever I think of fifty-one fifty, I go back to the California Health and Safety Code because I was a, a medic in California. That was where I started. And fifty-one fifty mentally ill, right? Mentally ill. <laughs> it's basically the 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 state code section that allows cops to involuntary involuntarily commit somebody mm-hmm. because they're a danger to society or themselves. So yeah. 
Very interesting. So the name is accurate on the yes, computer. Absolutely. It will, it will I absolutely drive you. I always chuckle about that. So did nice. you finish with what you were doing? Yeah, that's that's enough. Yeah. All right, Gary. Yeah, so everybody found this kind of interesting. I uh, I sold my car this week and and it, didn't get a new one. And didn't get a new one. So yeah, there's, there's two interesting parts as how I sold it, and also you know why. Well, not why. So I, I sold basically. I have, we have a two car garage, and now we suddenly have three drivers, um, and uh, and three car. We would have had three cars. So. Uh, one car had to go, or we had to play, you know, the whole game of street parking in a downtown area. And your daughter didn't and, want your car, right? Yeah, no. So, so the idea was, I've been saying for years that I wanted to go without a car because um, I live, you know, in a downtown area in a city that embraces all these alternate modes of transportation. There are, uh, I have my own bike, but there are also city bikes that you could, you know, subscribe to. There are uh, electric bikes like line bikes and such. There are all the scooter, all the scooter companies are here, you know, Lime and Bird and Razor and everyone. Uh, there's Lyft, there's Uber, there's a bus system that has now an app and you could, you know, easily mm. and cheaply get around and buy your fares on the app. Um, there are, there's car, there's like the little car rentals, like Car2Go and, you know, Zipcar and all oh, that. Oh, like for hourly rentals. Yeah. Uh, you know, so there's like almost, and I can walk if I have enough time to almost any place. Like within, you know, uh, three miles of my house is a majority of like downtown Denver. So I've been saying for years, I don't need a car. I don't need a car. So uh, came down to it. I was like, here's an opportunity to, to see what it really is like without a car. Now I have two cars available to me, <laughs> right. you know, so it's not like I'm totally out, you know, uh, uh, and I can't ever use one, but, um, but it's going to be interesting to see how it goes. Also, I did the math and I took the original you know, price of my car. And now that I've sold it, I can take the sale price so I can see exactly how much it costs. Um, right. And I also can add insurance and uh, gas and oil, you know, oil changes, everything to it. Maintenance. And I was really able to come up with a pretty accurate number, which I wasn't before I sold it because I didn't know how much I would get for it. And I was able to calculate over all the months I owned the car, it was like six and a half years, that it cost almost exactly $500 a month own a car. I'm now, surprised it's that low, frankly. Well, and it, it would have been lower if I had more of an economy type car. It was a nice, it was an Infinity, and you know, not one of the higher end Infinities, but, you know, I, I could have gone with, you know, a Corolla or something, right. you know, and it would have been cheaper. So $500 a month is, that's a lot to get back. I don't get it all back, because I still have car insurance, of course, for driving the other cars and rentals, but it's almost $500 a month. It's going to, I'm going to have to change my mindset, because I'm giving myself like a budget of up to $500 a month to spend on transportation. And that's one thing to say I have $500 a month. It's another thing to say to actually spend it. Like I, right. I actually spent $10 to get here where we are right now by taking a lift. And I could have walked here, but I didn't have enough time because you guys were in a rush to get started. <laughs> <laughs> you and, get this thing on the, on the air, man. Yeah, it, you know, and then it's like... Uh, you know, so ten dollars. I felt like, oh, yeah, ten bucks. Oh, maybe if I would have walked, if I would have left a little earlier, walked, or maybe I could have taken a scooter. It would have taken like a little bit longer, but it would have been three or four dollars instead. You know, but I have to like push that away and say, look, I have this budget, and because you would have spent that money even if you yeah. hadn't driven the car all month. Exactly. So, so I need to change my mind. I'm going to see over the next few months if I really do get more used to spending this extra money on transportation and can be happy without having my own car that's always available to me for everything. Um, so if my you really need a car, I'm sorry, if you really need a car, you could borrow your wife's or your... Sure, if I, yeah, you know, I could work with them to figure out, like, yeah. if they, so a lot of times it will be, I, and I, could, I mean, if, I, if we need something in the house, like, oh, we need milk, mm -hmm. then, and I'll go and get it, I'll take one of the cars, you know, right. if somebody else isn't going to go get it, that means somebody else is sitting in the house, right. you know, I could take one of those cars. And the other things, like I've got a dentist appointment, and that's all the way across town, I can't, you know, that probably makes sense, and I could say, I have a dentist appointment next Tuesday, you know, right. I'm just going to take the car, for, you know, that's fine. Um, how did you sell your car? Yeah, so, how I sold the car, now it's interesting because when I first thought about, oh, I'll talk about this, I don't want to mention the name of the company, I will though. But I, I was trying to I was trying to figure out why, because if I I mentioned all these other companies already today, 
right? I said, oh, Lime. Uber. Uber. Uber Lyft. Uh, all Uber, this. Yeah. And these have like a, just a good fuzzy feeling about them. Oh, taking a scooter or getting a, a, a ride share. You know, but these are big companies. So, but there's a stigma with car sales. <laughs> yes, there is. And you, I kind of feel like mentioning the name of the company is like, oh, I don't want to promote a company that deals with cars. But I don't have Especially any, used cars. Yeah, used cars. But it was Carvana. Uh, you know, was the name of the company. I didn't hit Car... Carvana. Okay. They have lots of commercials Car- everywhere. And I, I just did some research, because uh, I saw the commercials, and I thought, well, that, I'm sure that's not a viable option. Mm-hmm. That sounds really sleazy. And then I did sort of looked online, and people were actually giving it lots of good reviews. And saying that you get more money from them. Which maybe because maybe they're, I don't know, maybe they're hungry because they're young and want to get caught. I don't know. But it was, I actually read enough good reviews, and I... But what are my alternatives? Put it on Craigslist and have to deal with like individuals. Right. Go to a, an actual like used or new car lot and sell it to them, which I hear is like you get a really low price. So I took a leap of faith and I filled out the form online. They gave me a great price and they came and picked up the car and it took like 10 minutes and the car was gone and I had my check and the check didn't bounce and <laughs> yeah. all of that. So, yeah. so yeah, so I guess I, you know, I am dealing with my own stigma of like, they can't be good. I shouldn't mention them by name because they are a used car. Well, when we bought a car for Kit, um, my wife, I looked into trading that car in, and the, the dealer said, well, we'd give you this much money for it. And so I thought, just for the heck of it, on the way to the dealer, we swung into uh, CarMax. and said, mm. well, what will you give us for this? Mm-hmm. And it was significantly more. Mm-hmm. So we just... Dropped the car off. They gave us a lift over to the <laughs> car, car dealer, and it was like yeah. everybody was happy. So. We sold a car uh, a few months ago, a, a van that we no longer needed, a, a minivan. And uh, I initially went to, to Craigslist, and I, I I had a number, and I, I think I my number was like twelve thousand. Was I wanted? And somebody came out and looked at the car, and they offered me nine. I'm just like, really? No, it's you know. And so we took it to CarMax. And they checked it out, and like half an hour later, they offered, I think it was like 14 or something, wow. which was like way more than I, you know, I'm just like, yeah, absolutely, you know, and then, yours. Yeah, so half an hour later, we had a check and went on our way. It was, so it was CarMax a, and Garbana both seem yeah. to be... Yeah. I, I think it's it's just kind of like the, this this new generation of basically a used car lot, but not sleazy. I mean, you know, they buy and sell cars. I mean, it's a, it's a used car lot, but they have this veneer of not suck around it. Well, and they, they probably purposefully want to get away from that sleazy used car salesman image yeah. and, and good for them for doing it. Yeah. So Gary, I have a suggestion for how you get over spending money on, okay. on Lyft and Uber and all that. Um, I think you ought to open a separate bank account mm-hmm. and just every month put 500 bucks in there because that represents what you were spending and then when you use all these services, you know, like like have one credit card you use for that, and then pay that credit card out of that account, and I'll bet you at the end of the year you're going to have a lot of money left over in that account. It could be interesting. I immediately thought, well, if one day I may end up getting a car again, like after my daughter goes to college and we're down to one car suddenly, you know, and I thought about, like, Taking actually, I have an account like that where I automatically put some money in every month. So when it's time to get a new car, because I've always had a car to trade in, right? right. Since my very first car. So the next time I buy a new car, I'm not going to have that. Right. I'll be paying from zero dollars. So I thought, well, if I put a little bit of money every month into it, then suddenly I could, you know, a few years go by, and all of a sudden I look, oh, I've got a nice amount of money to buy a car. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but then if I link those two together, then it won't help me get over it because then I'll be thinking, oh, I want to, I want to take this lift today. I'll walk because I want that money to keep going into the account where, you know, five years from now, I'll buy myself. I think you car. should force yourself to spend that $500 every month on car-related things. So it's like the 29th of the month. You're like, well, i got to rent a Maserati for a couple of days. <laughs> rent a Maserati and then, or just get on a lift and say, just... Drive me around <laughs> through the park, please. Um, you know, that, was a, that was another thing I forgot to mention is I went back to, there's a car rental, one of the major car rental brands, I think it was Enterprise, is actually near my house. You know, there's always one that's kind of like in each neighborhood. And so I went and I had an account with them from renting in the past from airports. And I went to their 
this the page that has your notifications and you always turn all those off. Don't send me your marketing. Yeah. And I went and I turned them all on. <laughs> I want to hear your special deals, your weekend deals, your you know vacation deals. Send me all your emails because I, I, I've heard from other people that don't have cars that they do that. Mm. That they opt into all the deals and every once in a while they'll get a like ridiculously like rent a car this weekend for twenty five dollars you know break uh, Friday to Monday mm-hmm. and wow. then you go and you say hey I was gone I needed to go up to Fort Collins or somewhere at some point I'll do that this weekend because I'll, I'll, I'll grab one of these twenty five dollar deals so drive over hurt. to our house then. yeah drive over to your house <laughs> spend a couple of days hey Randy I needed to spend that five hundred dollars <laughs> I rented a What's Maserati. this Maserati doing in my driveway? <laughs> I drove here on my dirt road. I'm gonna I'm gonna turn around now. Go back. All right. Cool. All right. So um, you said something, Kevin, that that interested me about mm. archive team. It's part of archive.org, and I didn't know about that. Right. This actually all came up because one of the items in the news this week are the number of things that Google is shutting down. Mm. One of which is Google Plus. And Google Plus is a place where a lot of people over the years have published a lot of content. It's another social media thing, not unlike Facebook and so forth. But with Google Plus going away, all this content is threatening to go away, except... Except uh, there's a team of people who want to save it. So there's, uh, I believe we have talked a few times, many times, uh, about the Internet Archive. Uh, Internet Archive is a non Profit based in California, and they are a massive online library uh, of of scanned books and movies and music, and they do amazing work. They're probably best known for the Wayback Machine, which is a tool that lets you see websites that are no longer up or just old versions of, of websites. Um, one of the one of the Use cases for the Wayback Machine is is uh, when a, a we'll say a new ad- administration comes in and starts changing the White House website and uh, uh, taking down you know uh, documents that might have been there before. Like they're are they gone forever? They're not on the website anymore. Well, the Wayback Machine has a backup, uh, and so there is a team of people, of hackers, loosely affiliated with the Internet Archive, but not part of it, called Archive Team. And uh, their job is to try to back up websites and services that are in imminent failure mode. Either they're going out of business or they've announced that they're going down, such as as Google Plus is. Um, So Archive Team... uh, how do I explain it? Basically, uh, you can set up a client on your computer. I mean, by you, I mean you. Anybody can can run a client on, on their computer that talks to the archive team server and whatever project they're working on. It says, okay, well, right now we're trying to back up Google Plus before it, it goes away at the end of April. So it gives you a little bit of, of, of work and your computer is, you know, assigned, okay, you're going to get try to get these... Um, uh, accounts from Google Plus, and they're downloaded to your computer, and then it uploads them to the Archive Team server, and eventually they will end up at the Internet Archive at, at the Wayback Machine. Um, this is the same team that years ago, uh, I think, started when they when GeoCities was going away. Oh, yeah, I remember that. And uh, you know they backed up huge amounts of, of information uh, from GeoCities, and you know. Um, you know, if, if you find information that used to be on GeoCities and it's online, it's because this this team of people. So my, my buddy uh, Jason Scott is 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 uh, an Internet Archive employee. He tweeted the other day that the Archive team mirroring of Google Plus had as as of a few days ago surpassed 1.2 petabytes. Uh, it's 1,200 terabytes, and he said we need to finish it off by April 2nd, which is today when when they close everything down. And uh, so he was asking people to run the, the software, the, the, the client software, on, on your own computers, which I do. I've, I've been doing it for quite a while. Um, and you can, you can watch the tracker 
run, um, it's pretty pretty darn cool just to see it in, in real time. For our visitors at home who are yeah. only listening to this, Kevin's actually showing us his screen, and there's a tremendous amount of activity going yeah, on. It says uh, how many items are are done, and I don't know, it's like 33 million, and how many are out at, for work, which is 444,000 right now, and how many are, are still left to do. And and you can... Uh, for some... So it's actually even showing the the username of what it's backing up right now. Yes, and it's just... A, this window is just scrolling very, very fast of, of like, you know, this, this user had 23 megabytes of stuff in their Google Plus, and this one had... 373. And so basically there's, you know, hundreds of people around the world downloading this stuff and then re-uploading it to Internet Archive. Um, you know, and my little part of it right now, I can see that I've, my computer has downloaded 81 gigabytes. And uh, so they call it a, a, a preservation of, a distributed preservation of service attack. <laughs> so what happens sometimes is, is the, the, the site that is being preserved for some reason they don't like that and i i I don't understand the logic behind it it's like you know we're going to take our site down and and it's not going to be available ever again and so people come in to try to save it and then they set up firewalls to try to keep that from happening so that happened at some point google started blocking the archive team and uh through the magic of hacking it's now they worked around it and so they're downloading stuff. Do we know whether they worked around it or whether Google relented? I believe they worked around it. Google, <laughs> relent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think a lot, uh, well, I can imagine sites that try to block it, it's just the, oh, our server is being overwhelmed. The load. Yeah. Um, and, we're, and it's costing us a lot. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but They've got the money. Well, In yeah, Google, case, Google yeah, can't yeah. complain too much about that, but also it's like, you know, I've seen that, <laughs> I've seen like, Internet spiders and university projects and stuff overwhelm my server. Like it'll be, right. but what's happening there is, if they were just getting everything once, it's not a big deal, right? right? You only have so much content. You just get everything once, distribute it over a little bit of time. Don't try to hit it in one second, um, and uh, and it's fine. And that would be true for this uh, this team here because they really only need to get everything once. Right. Um, so. A lot of the spiders are stupid, and they don't get everything yes. right. Oh yeah, and they just yeah. keep coming back. Mm-hmm. Oh, what's changed? Oh, we just downloaded your, you know, five thousand pages at Mac most. Now t- today we're going to do it again. Yeah, because yeah. things may have changed. Now we're going to do it again. Right. It's like stop yeah. it, blocked. Yeah, Internet Archive, especially the Wayback Machine, has been particularly helpful in a couple of scenarios um, in my world. There's a site that I've pointed people to for a very long time, for years that has uh, recommendations for uh, Windows service configurations. In other words, which services, what they do, which ones are safe to turn off, or what the side effect of turning off this service is, and so forth. He's got it broken down based on Windows version, XP, 7, 10, that kind of thing, and edition, and, and just a tremendous amount of incredibly valuable information. And one day the site was gone. Just poof, with no explanation. And people like me suddenly were faced with, well, we've got all these links to this really valuable information. What do we do? We replaced them with links to the copy that had been preserved in the Internet Archive. Mm -hmm. And that was awesome. I mean, that just the preservation of this incredibly valuable information in the face of what in this case turned out to be, I think, purely administrative Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't an attempt to hide the information. It wasn't the the owner going away. It wasn't any of that kind of stuff. It was just some kind of random stuff happens, and the IA was a way to to protect yourself from that. And yep, a few months later, when the site came back up, great, we redirected back to the real site. But it was a wonderful, wonderful way of of being able to continue to provide the information. And I'd like to point out that if you can't or don't want to participate in one of these archiving projects or something, you can actually just donate money to Internet Archive yes. projects. Yes. Yep. And I do. Every and they day need so. it. Yeah. And if you really hate the idea of them sucking up data from your site, you can block it too. Yeah, you don't even have to proactively block it like with a, you know, a firewall rule or something right. silly like that. Internet Archive is well-behaved. They do pay attention to the instructions that you place in files like robots.txt mm-hmm. that say, no, don't archive me, 
Period. Just don't. Or don't archive this section of right. my site right. or whatever. Or right. there's instructions you could put on individual pages that say don't archive this page. So yeah, I, Internet Archive is very well behaved in that regard. I'm assuming that the, the, the technology that is currently picking up Google Plus is that same kind of well-behaved technology. No, it actually, I believe that, <laughs> because like I said, this is loosely affiliated with Internet Archive. Okay. This is a team of, of hackers who want to preserve uh, these a site that is in eminent failure mode. Um, no, they don't care at this point. They don't have to follow the rules, and they're just like, you know what, this is going to go away, and we're going to get it any, by hook or by crook. Interesting, interesting, yeah. yeah. And also, if you have been on the internet for a long time, like all of us have been, and you want to reminisce about how your website looked, <laughs> oh yeah, all yeah. Years, go to the Wayback Machine. I mean, it's really something. They've got my site all the way back to 1996, right. and I can look at the really cheesy and embarrassing animated. Yep. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it looks pretty uh, that, old uh, and grody. With, with a map, it was a it was an image map with a GIF, and it just yeah. had a bunch of links, and it's like. Yeah. Hey, but you know, back then I was really proud of it because it was like really cool. I do the same thing with Ask Leo. I've got actually I've discussed the history of Ask Leo somewhere, and I've got pointers into the Internet Archive to the earliest copy thereof. And yeah, it's way way different than it is today for sure. Yeah. So yeah, mine goes back to 1997. Yeah. One of the most visible and useful things that that uh, make that the archive um, uh, Wayback Machine is useful for is they. People have set up bots that look for dead links in Wikipedia, um, dead reference links oh, in Wikipedia, uh -huh. and simply replace them with the Wayback Machine version. Oh, cool. So, yeah, you know what, an uh, old newspaper article has gone away or right. whatever, then just, you know, and so kind of an automated way to, to keep links alive, yep. you know, and they've replaced hundreds of thousands of links that way. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, so anyway, uh, Google Plus is, is going away, and um, people will still be able to view that that data. Um, you know. And it doesn't might not sound like much, but um, the Internet Archive gets emails and, and tweets all the time from people who are so happy that information from... GeoCities, for example, right. is there. It's just like my dead husband, wife, son, or right. whatever had a web page at GeoCities, and they're the only pictures of, of them right. on vacation or in their band or whatever, right. and this, all this would have been lost forever. And it's the same exact sort of thing going to happen on Google+. Plus. I think know? once yeah. or twice I've actually <laughs> successfully reconstructed client web pages mm -hmm. that have, they deleted it, and there wasn't a backup or something like that. And we were able to go to um, Internet Archive. <laughs> anyway, one of the things I, I was looking at, um, I think uh, Gary mentioned it earlier, you could donate to Internet Archive. Um, and it dawned on me that I think I made some one-time donations, but it's time to get more serious. I think I'm going to sign up for recurring. Because we, just talking about it, the amount of value that they're adding to the world um, is, is fairly... Fairly significant. Yeah, I've been doing EFF, uh, Electronic Frontier Foundation, and Wikipedia, but that's another one to add. It's interesting. EFF is like protecting the future. Yeah. Internet Archive is protecting the past. Yeah. Mm. I think it's terrific. So, so yeah, I need to, I need to add <laughs> them to my list. Yeah. All right. Cool. Cool. So, Randy. Yes, sir. So, I should go to Office Depot, huh? <laughs> yeah, I, I was just kind of rolling my eyes over an article that... Office Depot offers services to like fix your computer, get the malware off of it. Um, and it turns out their malware checker that you looked at online, if you answered yes to things like, my computer's running a little slow, it would say, oh, you've got malware, bring it in and we'll fix it, even if it didn't have malware. So they've been fined $35 million for doing this fraudulent quote-unquote, repair service. And it's just a reminder that for-profit companies don't always have your best interests in mind. What? Imagine yeah. that. <laughs> well, not us. Oh, okay. Yeah, we, we all have best interests in mind. We have free services, usually. <laughs> um, but it's just kind of slimy and just kind of goes to show. So it's interesting because it's true. I think it's true for Office Depot. Well, I shouldn't say that. Clearly, the report is about Office Depot, um, I think yes. that this is something that is 
many people suspect of many of the computer service organizations. I think that some of the other in-store companies that do computer maintenance have at various times been accused of maybe not the same kind of fraud at that level, but certainly individual cases where a technician has done more that wasn't necessary in order to make an extra buck. And and this was systemic. This was systemic. And sustained. And it's also very much related to, it's a topic I write about from time to time, is that it's the equivalent of running one of those online free scans, right? So you download this software that claims it's going to clean up your computer. You run a scan and it says, oh my, it says, oh my God, everything, your machine is horribly broken. Send us 20 bucks and we'll fix it mm-hmm. for you, right? Um, a, your computer's not horribly broken. And, probably. <laughs> and, well, no, prob- it, it, it doesn't have to be broken at all. People have done this on pristine machines. Right. Right, where you've done nothing but install Windows, and all of a sudden... This well, there's machine. your problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, so you give them your 20 bucks, and they do really nothing more than turn off the error message. Right. Mm-hmm. Or they install actual mm-hmm. malware. More malware, yep. yes. So, so this is not really all that new. What's unique about it is that it's an, an in-store, in-person... Large company. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So... I want to hasten to add that there are very good Mm -hmm. packages you can download for free that will check your computer, like Malwarebytes and SpyBot Search and Destroy. So SpyBot, I heard, was actually not being made anymore. I'm not sure. Uh, uh, I'm not sure, yeah. Yeah, it's it's been around forever. If it is still out there, it's it's Malwarebytes is. um, they're, They're getting more aggressive about... Asking you to upgrade to right. a paid version, which right. they didn't do in the old days, but you can decline that, and it's still very powerful in scanning your computer, right. looking for actual malware, the so-called potentially unwanted programs, right. which are definitely unwanted, uh, and and toolbars and things like that. So there are legitimate ones, and Malwarebytes, I think, is the granddaddy of of them all, at least the the top of the line that's yeah. available currently. And, uh, and to be honest, a lot of people don't need any of this. They just don't. Mm-hmm. Um, they're cons- you know, a lot of a lot of these scenarios work on scare tactics. Yes, right. They want you to feel like you're at risk when you're not. And a lot of the times, all you really need to do is run a good antivirus program or anti-malware program like in Windows 10, Windows Defender is plenty for most people, and you're done. There really isn't anything more you need to do unless you have a specific problem that you're trying to track down. Then you don't go out and get one of the general purpose programs that claim to fix everything. You track down that specific problem and work it to conclusion. And I just looked, and SpyBot Search and Destroy does still exist. Yay! And but it says buy now. It's no longer free. Ah. So, and, and the picture at the top shows a this looks scammy. A, a I, young a young lady <laughs> looking at her computer with a big smile, holding her credit card. Is it scammy? I don't know, but it might it might it might. It might be the most legit thing in the world. But it I might. looked at this website, and I was just like, wow, this seems like a scam. There's a, like a. Uh, a hot woman smiling at her computer, holding her credit card, and then you scroll down, and it's—I I don't know—something about it, just like I, identity monitor donate. And I'm just—I don't know. Yeah. It just—it it, just—they mm, could do better with their. So I, I think I think the takeaway is start with malware bytes if you think you have a problem. Right. Yeah. So the thing is, so malware bytes is probably the only. Uh, you know, like anti-malware thing on the Mac that I somewhat hesitantly like right. say it's okay. Right. And one of the main reasons, well, I'd be less hesitant. Originally, it was like an independent thing, right. and then it was bought by a bigger company, and then they have an upsell and all of this. So that pushes it a little bit into more hesitant right. thing. But a fundamental difference in the free malware bytes that you you can get is it's a one-time use thing. You suspect there's a problem, you download it. It's, you scan your computer this one time, and it will give you a report, you know, and you can maybe fix things, maybe just note some things about your machine or whatever, and then you're done. Most, you know, anti-malware stuff is run, and then it's always running, always taking up cycles, always trying to upsell you, always trying yeah. to just yeah. be nasty and all this stuff. So the idea of just having a one-time scanner, and I actually, 
if it comes down to it, I, might, I recommend not using any of it and just, you know, following. I have rules to say you only download things that you trust and, right. you know, keep up to date with the news and keep your system up to date and all that. And that's all you should need. But if you need to, if you've been bad or somebody else used your computer, you know, a family member and they were bad and you need to do it, I say, uh, you know, you download the free malware byte, you run it, you take any actions you need to take, and then you delete it. Right. And the reason I say delete it because people say, oh, I'll keep it around for next time. Well, it up, there's updates all right. the time. Right. So if you're going to keep it around, that means keeping it up to date, you might as well just well, Or not necessarily. Delete I mean, if, it. if you don't have it you know, running in the background all the time, just leave it there. Well, and then when you do run it two years later, of course it's going to update it. Well, no, it. but I would say that's, that's why I say delete it. Right, because it's going to update time, itself in two years anyway, so why not just... The next time you need yeah. it, download a fresh new copy. Yeah. Don't ever just keep that stuff around. Right. So, and that makes me feel a bit better about it. Just a one-time use. You use it. You delete it. If you, if, if for some reason you need it again two months later, you download it again. It's not a big deal. Um, but, uh, but yeah, all the rest of it, if it's, if it's something on a Mac that runs all the time. Now, interestingly enough, Windows Defender, you mentioned that, mm -hmm. coming soon to a Mac near you. Yeah, that'll be really <laughs> interesting. I want to I hear your take on it when you finally get your hands know, on it. Yeah, I I don't know if I'm going to get my hands on it, but maybe, <laughs> oh, I don't come know, maybe on, you should. You should. People are going to be asking you anyway, so you know, think, pick, I, a, pick a sacrificial machine, yeah, and give it a try. Yeah, I might. I mean, there's a lot of predictions about well, will it just protect your Mac against Windows? <laughs> but there's a long history of that, right? right. There's, a, there's a lot of software out there that'll say protects your Mac against 1,000 different types of viruses. Which and, never would have heard it and, in the first yeah, place. Yeah, which are, <laughs> it, it's the idea is, oh, but if you are on a network with Windows computers, then it will, and you download a Windows virus, it'll detect that yeah. so your neighbors are safe. It's like, let them no. get their own machines. <laughs> they get what they deserve. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, so it'll be interesting For to see if Windows, Windows Defender just does that or it does more. Because a lot of people don't think about it because Apple doesn't push it. There is a an Apple you know protection X Protect. Mm -hmm. it's, it's called, but you'll never really find Apple mentioning it much. Mm -hmm. That runs at the system level on a Mac. That is basically Windows Defender for Mac, right. and it has definitions. It has kill switches. It has all this stuff running quietly in the background without ever bothering you, without ever revealing it's there. And 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 Apple is actually really good at updating it because when there is a crisis something comes out, one of the things I love to do is play this game where I, I look at like the major, you know, uh, antivirus programs for Mac that I, that I never recommend. And I, there's an exploit. And then I wait to see how long it takes Apple, you know, somebody re to report that Apple has put a little tiny update to their X protect that does it. And usually it's like 24, 48 hours. And then I look and I say, oh, all these major ones, they still haven't done it yet. Right. So you were better off not using them and sticking just with the Mac OS anyway, because Apple's really been on top of things. So is that installed and running by default? It's just part of the system. It's okay. partly there. There's yeah. no nothing to configure, nothing to do. Yeah. There are a few little weird terminal commands that you could of get course. to figure out, like what, like what was the last time it updated its yeah. you know definitions and things like that. But cool. other than that, it's pretty quiet Good. and unobtrusive. Good. So Gary, while you're talking, uh, you, you're, you're looking like you want to step into my turf about uh, space junk. Space junk. Space junk. Oh, the uh, harpooning space junk. That's an old story from a few weeks ago. Can't quite remember, but so uh, so this was an experiment I, but, to try to clean up space junk with a harpoon. Right, and there there, there have been recent experiments using nets. Yeah, and there's harpoons, and, and I guess my question is for you, Randy. Is, is it that big of a problem? Because I'm a math guy, and when I think of a sphere that starts, you know, the center is the Earth, and then you have low orbit, which isn't really that much farther above the surface of the Earth. You draw, draw a sphere. 200 to 400 miles, yeah. Right, which isn't much compared right. to the size of the Earth. But then geosynchronous orbit is way out there. Yep. So if you think of the sphere that just is a hollow center, and the area of space... And then how much stuff we've launched into space, i got to think that it's, space jump can't be that big of a problem in 2019, is it? It, it, it is a significant problem. Okay. Um, even really small things like flecks of paint, you'd think, what's the problem with that? Well, when it's going 20,000 miles an hour and it hits an astronaut in a 
fabric spacesuit, it will pierce that spacesuit and into the body. So um, the space station does definitely get impacts from these things. They have been even recently moved it in orbit because there is a known chunk of metal that is going to be coming nearby their orbit, and so they will actually take evasive maneuvers uh, and make sure they don't have astronauts out. They can't track something like paint flex because it's not big enough to get a radar return, but they're tracking tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of objects. And the worst problem is that uh, India just tested a, an anti-satellite weapon. Um, they claim it created minimal space debris. NASA says this is endangering the space station. Mm. So uh, I'll link to an article on that. But uh, well, they, they blew some stuff up up there, right? Yeah, they, they blew up a, probably one of their own satellites. Right, right. As, so they took test. one easy-to-track piece of metal and turned it into hundreds of thousands of impossible to track pieces of metal. Or difficult on, to attract. random trajectories. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So, yeah, so sounds like there need to be rules put in place where you don't... And, and they, there are kind of... Um, I mean, you can't really enforce them, but there are rules in place where, you know, you don't do things like um, leave things in orbit. You have plans on deorbiting them. So, like, the... Uh, SpaceX swarm of uh, internet satellites that are being proposed and they're starting to launch them. Right. Um, part of what they have to do in order to get permits to do this is have a plan. And Iridium is the same th same right. thing. The communication satellites that are in low Earth orbit, they have to have plans and uh, leftover fuel to proactively deorbit the satellite so it'll burn up in the atmosphere and not be just building up more and more stuff. Right, right. So, so this, uh, my mind goes to a dark place here. In the event of a war, mm -hmm. would it be really easy for some uh, nation to just basically launch a bunch of glitter bombs <laughs> into low Earth orbit? That well, it wouldn't be easy. Um, and yes, that would cause a lot of problems, but it would also cause problems for themselves. Well, yeah, but if they just wanted to, if, if, if a country was behind in that and didn't have as much as the other one. And wanted to screw over everybody else. Wanted to screw else, else right. some glitter bombs, and there you go, you've got, um, and you probably wouldn't even need that great tech to do it, because all you need to do is get it up into that orbit yeah. and then have it detonate and throw junk everywhere. Yeah, bolts. Mm. It's basically a space grenade. Yeah, space, yeah, yeah. shrapnel. Space, and, and it will eventually decay in orbit and well, sure, fall of course, out. Of course. But it's going to, you know. Well, that only makes it more attractive because you say, okay, there's a state of war. Uh, but eventually, we do this, it's probably like hundreds of years. It'll, yeah. Well, you think it'll be, I think yeah. it'll be like two years. Yeah. Then, no. Yeah. Oh. No, we still have stuff from the 60s floating around floating there. Around, yeah. yeah, that's the problem. And the problem is, I mean, the, the, the mean time between significant hits is really small. But the cost of a significant hit is really is high. Really high, right? Uh, I, I always use the term cost of failure, right? So the fact that the space station might get hit by a random bolt once every 10 years, for example, that's not very often. That's 10 years worth of good stuff. Except that at year 10, some part of the space station might explode. You know, I mean, yeah. so yes, it's a it's a thing. Scary stuff when yeah. you talk about those high velocities of yeah. orbit. Yeah. Speaking of that, news. Gary, you wanted to talk a bit about Apple News? Yeah. So it, you know, Apple News Plus launched, uh, and you know, you can now get for ten dollars a month, you can get three hundred magazines and a couple other news sources, um, and uh, a lot of pundits have been writing about this. Some say that. This will destroy the magazine industry. Others say this will save the magazine industry. And people like me say, magazine industry? There's a, still a magazine industry? I thought they died a long time ago. There's still some. There's still some. Yeah, well, it, so there was a, a, a misspeak during the, during the Apple um, launch announcement where you know, uh, the Apple uh, guy who was talking at the time said 3,000 magazines. And he quickly corrected himself to 300 magazines. But... I remember a time when 3,000 magazines would have been a reasonable number Absolutely. for this. 
And I think a lot of that, I've known several people that worked in publishing, that worked for magazines, and the pattern seemed to repeat itself over the years, where there'd be like this big staff, and they were one of the people on the staff, and then suddenly they had more and more tasks, and suddenly their office got smaller and smaller, and suddenly they were all working from home, and suddenly it was like a four-person operation, you know, putting it together, and they were wearing many different hats, and then the magazine died. And it, it just seemed like a lot of these magazines are gone now, you know, and uh, obviously there's a lot left. Looking through the 300 that Apple has, some of them, I'm fairly certain, don't actually have a print version anymore. Like, I'm looking, I'm like, I thought that magazine was dead. Right. And then I looked and I said, oh, they've kept publishing on the web. They just, they're not in print any, any longer. But they're so, behind a paywall. You still have to, yeah, some, some of them are, yeah. I, I don't know, I, I, right. I stopped paying attention. And now, right. you know, so... I so mean, the PC Mag is still available online, but is it available in print? Yeah. I don't I, think so. I, I don't no, know. In, Info <laughs> World, all that. I'm kind. certain a lot of those when I looked at it, like no, I'm I was sure that there's no print version of this magazine anymore. But yeah. now, so you know, for those, it's like probably great that they're they're just getting attention now as being one of these 300 magazines. Right. Um, it, it, the whole question of news, you know, the Washington Post uh, and the New York Times declined to be part of this this program. They have their own subscription programs that are actually more expensive than what Apple is charging for the entire thing. The Wall Street Journal uh, is a part of it, and I've actually heard conflicting bits of information because I heard that, oh, but you don't get all the Wall Street Journal. You only get some of it. Mm. Or you only get, uh, one place I read said you get three days' worth of it and not, you know, an archive past that. And another source I read said, oh, that, all that stuff's false. You actually do get the whole thing. So I don't know exactly what's going on with that, but, you know, they've got their own subscription service. And if you really, like, the Wall Street Journal's your thing, probably Apple News Plus is not going to fulfill that for you. Also, I, I was dismayed to see that while some of the magazines you can flip through by page, some you can't. Like Rolling Stone, you go in and it has all the articles and you can read the text and see the pictures, which seems like a good thing. No ads. But there are magazines like Rolling Stone, when I used to read it when I was young, the ads were actually important to me because they were beautifully designed, top of, you know, for typography and design and all that. They were like, you, you see new things and new things and new trends and everything. And I would actually take a pass, you know, those old magazines, you take a, you take a pat, one pass to see what's in there, another pass to read some articles, another pass to look at the little bits and stuff or whatever. And I would take an advertising pass where I'd actually look at the different ads. And it, there'd be watches and cars and things I couldn't afford and didn't really necessarily want. But I love seeing, it was like, oh, that's a, that's actually somebody from a rock band in this ad. And they don't mention who it is. You just have to be like cool enough to know that that's like somebody famous in there. And, it's um, interesting. The, um, the Seattle Times, they publish uh, two editions online. One is their website, which Sounds very much like what you just described, articles. You can scroll through the articles. But they also provide the print edition in PDF form. Now, it's hard to read on a small screen because it's a PDF of a very large piece of paper. But it basically meets the criteria that you just described. It's kind of like, I want to see it as if it were a print magazine. Right. And I've seen other magazines do this as well. Uh, for a while, we had access to the digital edition of People magazine. Same thing. By default, you got articles, but the thing you downloaded, I think it was on the Kindle at the time, was a PDF of the magazine. Art, you know, articles and ads and layout exactly as the one you'd find in the grocery store. Yeah. And I think there's value to both. It's just that... The, the a paper magazine format turns out to be fairly cumbersome mm -hmm. on a device unless you have a really large All screen. Right. And people are getting smaller and smaller screens, regardless of the resolution, right? But they're getting smaller and smaller screens in their hands and their pockets that, that make it less than optimal. So I think the audience isn't there. <coughs> it does make... I feel it makes more sense for magazines than newspapers, number one, because the advertising is usually higher quality. Right. And number two, because the format fits better on the screen than a, than a newspaper, which is larger. Um, and even, it depends on the magazine. There are magazines that the ads are not special. Right. They're like ads that are going to be, they're, they're placing an ad in a hundred different places and it's the same ad. Right. Whereas like if you're taking the money to be in say Rolling Stone or Variety, chances are your designers are creating the Rolling Stone ad right. for the October issue, blah, 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 you know. And, and it's a special thing. And it might be the only place that ad appears because it's customized for the size and the content and maybe even, you know, the photography is just incredible and all that. Um, 
But besides all that, I mean, what do you guys think of this? You know, if you pay $10 a month and it's like Netflix for magazines and you, you, know, you spend one-tenth of your time looking at Rolling Stone, so they get a dollar from you. They don't even get a dollar. They get 70 cents because Apple's taking probably 30% or whatever. Um, <clears throat> you know, will that hurt? Uh, I, I don't subscribe to Rolling Stone, but I've, some of my $10 this month is going to go to Rolling Stone because I did read a couple articles mm -hmm. with it. So now mm -hmm. they're getting money from me where they didn't before. And digital distribution, so it's not actually, they don't have to print it. No marginal cost. Yeah. Right. But if I had subscribed to Rolling Stone, maybe <laughs> I would cancel my subscription at this point. Right. I did actually cancel my subscription to Wired a couple years ago because I just wanted to reduce the amount of waste in my house. So I prefer to read their stuff online. Wired is one of these magazines. It reinforces my decision not to subscribe anymore. And I'll, I can justify the $10 a month saying... Okay, I have a nice way to read wire now, and I still don't have to have the piece of paper to recycle every. So Amazon has that that thing where you can you can play a pay a flat monthly fee, and then you can read a lot of different books, and then the authors get a cut based on on how much Kindle Unlimited. Read. Kindle yeah. Unlimited. Mm. That's right. So this this sounds like the periodical version of that. Um, it's, it's this basically sounds like Kindle Unlimited for magazines, and. So maybe there's a space for that. I mean, it, Kindle Unlimited, I believe, has, has done well for Amazon. I believe it does okay for the most read authors. I mean, I, I have a couple of books in Kindle Unlimited, and I get a few dollars a month because, you know, someone will read 200 pages of my book, and, you know, I'll, I'll get a little bit of money. And it, But, I, you know, if, maybe if you're Rolling Stone and people are wired and people really want to read it online, and, and if they're getting a, a cut per page or per minute or whatever... Is it still true for Kindle Unlimited that you, when you publish a book in Kindle Unlimited, it cannot be available elsewhere? I believe that is true. So that's one striking difference here. Yeah, um, sure. And it can't be available in other digital formats. Right. It could be available in paper. Right. right. You could sell it, but you can't have it in other digital formats. And that's a striking difference here. I really think, I find it really interesting. Netflix of magazines is, is the model that, that I, I like to think of this as. Um, it'll be interesting to see over time how it plays out because, yeah, you know, $10 a month if, is my subscription fee if I suddenly get, say, even most of the Wall Street Journal, right? That's cheaper than subscribing to the Wall Street Journal and maybe I get everything I care about. Right. Done and done plus 299 other magazines, right? So yeah. it's, it's, it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Is the subscription available on non-Apple devices? Not currently. No. That so might it's be... Mac, I, iPhone, iPad. So, depending on how they want to position it, right, yeah. they could be using it as a magnet to get more people into the Apple yeah. ecosystem, right? Because I'm not in the Apple ecosystem to the degree that I'd feel comfortable doing that, right? So, yeah... Yeah, I mean, it, it, I guess it remains to be seen whether they want to do that because there are there can be other services that can offer this. So there can be a PC right. or Android tablet, you know, uh, other service, and you, you would just go with them, and Apple's got theirs for their people. Um, I'm, I'm interested, you know, so right now, like, there was, there is no opportunity, like, I don't think there's any place I could go and say, I'd like to submit my magazine oh, right. to this. And it'd be interesting if Apple would open that up, like, would a small, small publisher like me, one person's, would it be worthwhile for me to say come out with a monthly MacMost magazine mm. with mm. ten articles, right. you know, to, and publish that only to Apple News Plus? How much money would I actually make from the MacMost well, magazine? That's been one of the eighty-three issues. cents a month. That's <laughs> been one of the issues with Kindle Unlimited. Is many, many people have have published very low quality books. In order to get a yeah. cut, so of you're that. saying myself would be local? No. like like one word a page, so that they get yeah. many pages. Or, or you take a public domain book and do a search and replace, right. and right. or you, you know, create Fifty Shades of Gray with what? gray spelled with two R's. And you what, know, one of the value add possibilities here, though, is is Apple doing what Apple does, and that is curate. And that right. Sounds like they are quality right. control. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, with I mean, that, that's a huge, a huge value add. So this actually reminds me of, an, of a headline I saw yesterday on the Pointer Institute, which is a nonprofit journalism research organization. And the headline is, The Drive for Digital Subscriptions Hits a Bump in the Road 
subscription fatigue. And I've been getting that anyway, you know, with satellite subscriptions, you know, satellite TV. Uh, do you want to do an HBO subscription? Do you want to do a Netflix subscription? Yeah. Apple, uh, uh, Amazon Prime subscription? I've got a lot of subscriptions, mm-hmm. and they really add up over time. So, yeah. yeah, that is going to be an issue. And, and well, that's also, uh, you know, if you want to do, oh, I do, I do want to do the Washington Post and the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal. And but now you could do doing. it all with one subscription, well, you can't. right? Well, well you can't. yeah. But, but for, for, you know, if, if you're interested in some combination of those 300. Yeah, you could right? switch to the LA Times, which is... Was the right, consolation? The point there is, instead of having half a dozen subscriptions, right. you can consolidate. So, and the and then you know, Apple. There's Apple News Plus, which is a new thing. Apple News is still free, right. and you know, it, it's something that may be some form of irony. Uh, while looking into this, one of those articles I mentioned, there's people saying it's good, saying it's bad. One of those articles was at some site, and I found it on Apple News, and it gave me two paragraphs of the article, and it said click to read the rest of the story. I'm in Apple News. I have to click, and then I went to the website to read the rest of it, which is something some publishers do. Mm-hmm. They only make part of their article available on Apple News. And then I went to their website, and the website said, this is premium content, subscribe to <laughs> to read the rest of the article. So I couldn't actually read the rest of the article about how this was a good or bad business model because right. I wasn't subscribing to their business model. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, it, it gets very confusing. And, yeah, we should... Uh, we can uh, kind of end it there. Okay. We'd love to, I'd love to hear what other people think about this. Yeah. Yep. News and stuff. the show page always has a place to comment. So the show notes for this week are at tehpodcast.com slash teh64. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at the TEH Podcast. And you can find us in Denver tonight if you're in the area. Please tell a friend about our podcast and thanks for listening. We'll see you again here next week. Bye. See ya. Bye. Thank you.